everyone. I'm Linda McHenry with The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Hank Philippi Ryan, a best-selling novelist, winner of numerous and prestigious awards for her writing. Hi, Hank. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. This is wonderful to see you. I, I love seeing you in your gorgeous study with all your books. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, I can say the same about you. And we were talking about how with writers who thought we'd be doing this kind of stuff from our home offices, and yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just amazing. Now, before we get into the topics, I do want you to talk about your new release, The First to Lie. It just came out in the beginning of August. Tell us about that because it's getting rave reviews already. Someone said that they think you're going to be nominated for, a, is it a McCavity or an Agatha? That's great. I think you're alluding to my Publisher's Weekly starred review, which I treasure and cherish every moment. The Publisher's Weekly starred review of The First to Lie said, stellar. Ryan could win a sixth Agatha for this one. So that is the highest of accolades. I'm really thrilled about it. The Agatha Awards for crime fiction are one of the highest awards in, you know, in our mystery world named for Agatha Christie. So that's pretty great. Yes, The First to Lie came out at the beginning of August in the midst of the pandemic. All of us who launched novels during this time are really uh, in, thrown into complete chaos with the book tour rug pulled out from under us. So it was not only the pandemic, but it was a tropical storm and with power outages all across Massachusetts on the day of my launch. So very high degree of difficulty, but thank you. Yes, it's been getting really terrific reviews, which is, um, you know, we sit in our studies and work and work and work and cross our fingers. And so when those wonderful reviews start pouring in as they have, it's very gratifying. So to tell you about the first to lie, as you asked, thank you. Yes, very, very interesting. Well, what's interesting about it is that in writing a thriller, a twisty, turny, suspenseful, stand, psychological standalone, the problem is that if you say, well, what's it about? I'm like, oh, I've written a book I can't talk about. So, because it's, you know, it's so full of twists and turns and surprises. But I did figure out a way to talk about The First to Lie. There's a wonderful sort of quiz on Twitter, which is tell about your book in four words. So The First to Lie in four words is betrayal, motherhood, obsession and revenge ah. and then on facebook because you can you know use more words on facebook hilariously they have tell about your book in five phrases so that was an interesting thing to try to craft so i did come up with the first to lie in five phrases which is a devastating childhood betrayal an undercover reporter who's in too deep a beautiful sailboat on the Chesapeake Bay, a rich and powerful family, and an ice pick that is not used for ice. <laughs> so bottom line, the first to lie is two strong women facing off in a high stakes psychological cat and mouse game to prove their truth and get their revenge for a terrible childhood betrayal. But which character is the cat? and which character is the mouse. And that is the first to lie. So that's all I can tell you. <laughs> okay, well, you and that's good. The plot or the main characters, you know, this is the problem of writing a suspenseful, twisty thriller. You just can't talk about it because you can't give anything away. Well, no, you don't want to do the spoiler, not at all. Now, how long does it take you to write a book? I'm, this is me just personally, because, you know, with all the plot twists and everything, how long does it take you? Well, it takes as long as I have, you know, that's the answer. 
Uh, I'm under contract to write these and my books are due in a year. I mean, it's essentially a year and it takes a year. I mean, I think my writing metabolism knows after all these years of being a reporter, my writing metabolism knows how long I have to do the thing uh, and how organized I have to be to turn that in on time because you know, in publishing and writing, a deadline is an important thing. If I do my part, then everybody else in the publishing chain can do their part properly and on time. So I'm the I'm just one of the cogs in the publishing wheel. Um, my my part is to get them the content when they need it. So after all these years as a reporter, if I missed my slot on the six o'clock news, you know, if I said, "Oh, can I be on at ten after six because I'm just not feeling it." You know, I would not have a job in journalism for very long. So I feel the same way about my writing. It, I have a year to write it and it takes me a year. Specifically, you know, I try to get my first draft done with a couple of months to spare because I do think the moment your book takes shape, the moment you carve out what is really, what you really meant to write is in the editing process as in revision. So I embrace that revision process and look forward to it because my first drafts are always terrible. I mean, they are so terrible that if you ever saw one, you would think this is Hank Phillippe Ryan, this cannot be true. So what I do is I just try to put my head down and write that first draft. I mean, I don't have an outline at all and we can talk about that. I write that first draft and I just see what the story is. And then at some point, knock on wood, I think, oh, that's what this is about. And then from that point on, the story sort of narrows and focuses. And then I have to go back and make sure that the beginning reflects what the story turned out to be. So that's exciting. You know, it's like writing for television because I don't know what the story is when I'm going out to do it for TV or also, you know, it wouldn't be news. So I, I kind of write in search of the story. Um, and sometimes that is gloriously rewarding. And sometimes it is the most difficult thing that you could possibly do. Well, I think too, I mean, when it comes to people, you think you know somebody and you go through an experience and you find that you don't. And people respond to different things. I, I've found when you're writing characters, the same thing. You can start out with a plan and you start out with a destination and the getting there isn't exactly the way you planned and things change. So, you know, I know myself writing nonfiction like you, I write to deadlines and there's a lot of writers who have difficulty with that. And I, I guess they don't look at it as, yeah, it's fun and, and it's the only thing you can do, but it, it's kind of, it's a business and you have to be professional about it. I was going to say, I, I look at this as a job, but I, I don't look at it as a job. It is a job. I'm being paid for this. It's my responsibility to do it. It's also my reputation, you know, to be better and to have each book. I'm working on my 13th book now. It's my responsibility to have every book be better than the last one. I learn more. I understand more about the craft. I challenge myself more. I understand more about storytelling. I, I have an ambition to, to be a better and better writer. And I don't think we can lose that either. I mean, you know, when you read books and you think, wow, that's just not their best effort. I'm convinced that it is necessary to work as hard as I possibly can on every word, on every page, and in every novel to have people say, you know, this is her best yet. That's what I'm going for. This is her best yet. I mean, it is, I give 100% to every novel. It is all on the table. There is nothing held back. Um, but I do think that if we are going to grow as writers, we do have to push ourselves 
to get better. And I never lose sight of that. And there's two other things I wanted to talk to you about, and, and I know we talked a little bit about, is some people view writing as, okay, you just sit there and you write, and then you edit and you revise and you send it off and that's it. And there's the marketing aspect of it. And there's also the aspect that most of us writers at heart are introverts. You know, we can go out in public and we can perform and we can be ourselves, but that's not necessarily our most comfortable place. Why don't you talk a little bit about being the introverted writer and the things that you have to do to make sure that you market yourself and bring yourself to the public's attention and do your best to sell your books? You know, it's such a funny world and such a, you know, our lives are so complicated. I grew up in really rural Indiana and I was the nerdiest, geekiest little loner of a girl just reading up in the hayloft of the barn behind our house. I had no friends except for characters and books, no dates, no fun, you know, nothing. And I learned to be very self-aware. I learned to have fun just reading and being by myself. And I didn't really need other people because nobody wanted me, basically. And that turned out to be this kind of good thing. And I'll tell you, I was always very curious as a little girl. I would ask my mom questions and she would say, why don't you go find out for yourself? Why don't you go ask? <laughs> uh, and she really empowered me to ask questions. And I think that role uh, as being someone who asks the questions allows us to be in the world in a way that, because we have a role, you know, I'm the one who asks the questions. And I think that's one of the reasons I got into reporting as well, as it gives me an opportunity to have a reason to ask a question and then to engage with people. So as a television reporter is also kind of solitary. And even though it doesn't feel like it, I'm sitting at my desk a lot of the time, or I'm out in public, but doing a job. And when you have a role, that makes it easier for those of us who um, are a little bit more happy by ourselves to engage. And so I learned how to do that. I learned how to be in public. I learned how to write a story that's entertaining. I learned how to put together a story that's entertaining and enlightening and necessary and important and fascinating. And I learned how to speak in public. For television, you have to. So because of the job that I chose or fell into, whichever you want to call it, I am in public a lot. So when I transitioned to, into adding fiction to my resume when I was 55, which was 15 years ago, crazily enough, I took all those skills that I learned in television and those transfer so beautifully to writing, whether it's telling a story, an important, compelling story, that's the same as investigative reporting. Mm -hmm. Whether it's presenting it to the public, that's the same as being a television reporter. Whether it's writing a promotion or a headline or a short version of a story or cutting something down or making a speech or doing, you know, doing an event, all that comes, all that comes from television. And so I'm really lucky that my jobs, my two jobs as a reporter, uh, and as a writer are very complementary to each other, you know, and each one informs the other so perfectly. If someone said to me, would you rather go to a party or stay home? You know, I'd much rather stay home. I mean, I <laughs> me can, too. Right? I can go to a party and it's fine and I'm okay. I'll say, I don't want to go to the party. And Jonathan will say, well, you always have so much fun at the parties. Afterward, you always say it was great. And I say, I know, I suppose so. <laughs> and I honestly am interested in other people. And let me just say quickly that 
that's one of the things, that's one of the themes really of the first to lie. And I'm so uh, intrigued that you brought this up because what you're talking about is how we become someone else when it's necessary to do that. Um, and we act like someone else and we have someone else's motivations and we have someone else's desires and necessities. And that's what happens in the first to lie. The whole point of the first to lie is how we behave differently depending on what we want and depending on what we need and depending on the necessity of the situation. So what if being someone else could get you what you want is one of the themes of the first to lie. And I think all of us as writers understand that there is that there is the at-home persona of I'm sitting right here at this very desk where I'm talking to you right now, being the solitary author. And then there is of necessity the need to go out and be in the public and talk to people and sort of mine the actual joy that you can get by engaging with other people. And I think that's one of the secrets is it's not pretend. It isn't fake. No. It's really joyfully from the heart now that I've learned to go out and be at seminars and teach classes and be at events and do interviews like this. I mean, I love this. I love this now. Uh, and I think that just doing it has a lot to do with um, engaging our minds and engaging our emotions and then making it actually fun. And when it's fun, it's wonderful. So knock on wood, things seem to be evolving nicely, even in this crazy time. Well, and I think because it's so crazy and because we're forced out of our comfort zone, mm -hmm. we have to find other ways to do what we wanna do and accomplish our goals in another way. And I do a lot of teaching web classes and people said to me, well, how can you transition from the classroom to the internet? I said, well, I just do the same thing. I can't touch the people, but I can see them. And if I can't see them, I can see them in my mind. And I can remember how people usually react and I can encourage them to send me messages, but I can be the same me. I think that's what you're saying. You can be you and creating your characters. I mean, we can jump into a book and write and become the character we're writing, who's completely different. Isn't that true? And that character is authentic and real to the people who read it. So you can do the same thing when you go out and talk at a book signing or in a public event. You become the person who speaks and is comfortable with it. And they're authentic. I agree with you. And that is so wise. It's sort of like method acting. I've gone undercover and in disguise and with a hidden camera many times uh -huh. as an investigative reporter, another one of the sort of elements of the first to lie. Mm -hmm. My experiences as an undercover reporter really inform the first to lie on every page. Mm -hmm. And part of that is not just learning how to carry a hidden camera without anyone noticing, but it's how to be someone else, to absolutely portray yourself as another human being altogether with another human being's desires and needs and motivations and goals. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do every day. All of us do this every day. And that's what we do as authors every day. You know, if I'm writing the Ellie Berenson part of The First to Lie, I am Ellie Berenson. When I'm writing Nora Quinn, I'm Nora Quinn, and I, and I probably sit a different way. And if people saw me writing, you know, I'm testing out expressions and testing out, you know, what she does with her hair or I, I scratch my head or something like that. And it's all real in the book because I am that character. And I do think 
that there's a whistle a happy tune element of saying, <laughs> I'm a happy, successful writer, and I want to share that with you. When you do that, that becomes true, and it builds on itself, and then you never have to whistle a happy tune again because you just are happy. Yeah, and it just comes naturally. You do it like breathing. You don't have to think about it. It's just part of who you are. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your perspectives and all this great buildup for the first to lie. Okay. So for the folks who haven't already picked it up, um, you can find the first to lie all over the place. And we're going to keep our fingers crossed that you do get that next Agatha. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased about the Agatha Awards. It's quite an amazing honor, but I look at the 37 Emmys on my shelf behind me and the five Agathas. And when I have a bad writing day, which happens from time to time to time, I think to myself, this has worked in the past, so it will probably work again. I'm sure that it will. Well, again, thank you for joining me today. Hope to see you again in the future. Folks can find you on your website at hankphilippyryan.com. And that's two L's and two P's, right? Exactly. Hankphilippyryan.com or on Facebook at Hank Philip e. Ryan Author, and Twitter and Instagram at at Hank P. Ryan. Please come find me. Email that you send to me by way of my website comes right to me with no one in the intermediate position, just straight to me, and I'd love to hear from you all. Okay, well, thanks, Hank. We'll be talking to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks.